browser-based cloud-saving writing apps. Welcome to episode 82 of RSVP, the podcast about stationery and so much more. I'm your host, Les, and my co-host is Dade. We're going to be talking about organizing our writing, but first, let's talk about what we're drinking. Dade, what are you consuming these days? I am drinking plain old water. Um, I had a cup of coffee earlier, but um, water has been my new best friend. I'm trying to drink more because a lot of times, like towards the end of the day, I feel like trash and I don't know why. (laughs) And it's because I've had like no water, like period. Um, And uh, the problem is I'm never thirsty. And like I was always raised and told like, well, if you're not thirsty, then you don't need water. But I don't believe that. Um, so yeah, so I've been trying to just consume water, um, because I also developed a really bad soda habit over like the past couple of months because of quarantine. Like it's just mm-hmm. in between meetings, it's so quick and easy just to grab a can from the fridge and come back into the office. And so, um, sure I could have bought some polar seltzer, but like, who are we kidding here? Um, <laughs> so <clears throat> like we have Coke in the house right now, but I try to limit to like, maybe three a week as opposed to seven or 10. Um, so yeah, so that's what I'm consuming. I just ate, I know I told you off air less, but I'll repeat it for our listeners. I just ate these amazing cookies, um, by Gina made them the other night. Um, they are chocolate chip, walnut and caramel. They are so good. Ooh. Yeah. You, um, you mentioned those and like, I, I want some. Yeah. If you lived closer, I could deliver them. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't haunt me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So what's new and exciting? Um, I I'd say new, but not so much exciting. Maybe a little bit. The new Blackwing Volume Six. I know they weren't out last time we recorded, or were they? And we talked I don't remember. Blackwing doesn't sit in my brain off like um, long. We talked about them in passing, but neither one of us had them in hand. <laughs> so I have them. And I have feelings. And I want to hear those feelings. So first feeling is – sorry, I just made some extra noise. I really like the colors. So just like everything else on the internet, it's very hard to judge color tone like on the internet. Um, They really kind of nailed the the – red orange of like a traditional neon sign. Like when you think back to like open signs that are blue and reddish. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I also like the matte finish. I think that they did a good job there. I don't care, but it's important to note that they are kind of messy. Like the, the ferrules are definitely jammed on and there's some wood pieces you got to flake off. And the erasers are not used, but they are dirty. Like they have like graphite on them. Oh, like they're they're not they're not like perfect. Like they definitely been knocked around a bit. And like in fact, on on some of them, there's like an actual line of what either looks like graphite or from the black ferrule. Um, I don't care about these things because like I, I don't I just don't care. But like it it's kind of like disappointing maybe to some people that this is their first black wing. 
Well, you're paying, what, $30 a box for 12 pencils? Right. They're not perfect. What's also interesting is, I mean, I guess it makes sense to go with the all black, but, like, the the clip that holds the eraser is also painted black. Oh, that's new. Yeah, and so, but what's causing a problem is I think some of them weren't dry because I, I can't get this one out. Like... At all. Uh, I've heard some reports of people having their um, erasers glued into the ferrule. Yeah. So. And then also loose ferrules. Yeah. Um, but like, I'm twisting these with all of my might and they're not coming off. And even if they came off, um, my feelings are time is money. And unless I got a box of pencils that were broken, like literally snapped in half, um, one or two ferrules that came off aren't, I, I'm not going to waste my time. I may say something, but I'm not going to demand anything. Cause like, I don't know, maybe I'm just apathetic or just, I don't, you know what I mean? But like, I just, I think that for me, it's just not worth my time to kind of hunt down customer service, um, and ask for a replacement unless it's a gross kind of thing. Um, gross as in obvious and horrible mm. um so yeah i don't know i but i i do like the the shades of the blue eraser mm -hmm. i believe it's a blue that we might not have seen before it's a little bit lighter cool. so so yeah they're they're okay and i like the sentiment behind it i do like that they release them to small businesses first um but that caused a little bit of chaos because every business gets their supply at different times. And so some people were ordering them and got them right away. Some people like they appeared sold out for a while because other businesses didn't have them yet. Um, and I do like that most of the businesses were limiting only two per customer. I think that that's important to kind of note. Yeah. Um, and Blackwing sold out of them on their own website already. So that shows that they gave a majority of the stock to small businesses. Mm. Um, so yeah. And then real quick, the, I know we mentioned the last time too, the Black Friday iteration. Mm -hmm. Um, that's been a thing. <laughs> um, oh, you know, yeah. I, I got mine. I, I ordered a few. Um, and I only got one holographic variant per per box. Mm -hmm. That's what I was expecting. Um, whenever I'm told potential, I just expect for the least because that's usually statistically what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not going to, not going to, mm, I don't want to invalidate anyone's feelings, but like it was very clear that that was a possibility. And so yeah. to see people upset, like ordering a gross of them and only getting 12, well, that that's within the the realm of yeah. right right um i'm you know each set will include 12 pencils total and include at least one yeah so um and i actually traded one of mine off already for something you know that's that's why i ordered them partially because people that didn't want to commit to buying the whole dozen but they collect individual pencils mm -hmm. um i've done trades where i'm getting pencils that I like, like the 811. I really like them, but I don't want to spend $100 on a dozen. Yeah. So, so yeah. And they're kind of, I don't know, they're nothing special. Yeah. I've been, I actually went through and decided 
to mute a couple of groups where that was the only thing that was being talked about was the Black Friday special. Because I, yeah. you know, it, like you, if I order something and it's a, here's a potential, um, I, I expect one. But yeah. it also, it's annoying to see that some people got six. And I don't it think is. that actually makes your customers feel good. No. Um, so anyway, like the, just reading the negativity and the saltiness over it, I, I just had to, I had to mute some of the, the groups that talk about pencils all the time and nor just for the time being until people get past that saltiness of it. Um, because it was, it's just a lot to read, like people getting angry because they only got one or people being really sad. They only got one. And then you've got people who are like, I got six in every box and check it out. I ordered, <laughs> yeah. I ordered a dozen boxes and I got six of them and no, I'm not going to trade with you. Right. Um, it, it's just, yeah, I just, I have no, no interest in watching that kind of like back and forth. That's kind of mean spirited and also, uh, like it's a it's a cash grab, and I'll leave it. At that. Yeah, I just I don't like watching it. I don't want to interact with that, and I'm done with it. Yeah, I left the group. I left Erasable. I I just I'm over it. And so, will I go back? Probably eventually, but it just it just because I interacted with that group fairly frequently. That's all my feed was for yeah. days, and so I'm just over it. So, um, so yeah. But enough about Blackwing. Um, <laughs> uh, another thing that I've been, I talked about this last time about buying a planner and then mm. I changed my mind about what type of planner. <laughs> so I'm, I'm still using a Hobonichi, but when I got my weeks, it, it is a smaller form factor. And I was like, this will be great for what I need. But then I was starting to think of ways in which I'm going to use my, my, my planner and it, became apparent that it just isn't big enough. So I went and I bought a Teco Cousin okay. in an A5 size. I actually got a, again, the internet doesn't do it justice. I put a link in the show notes, but the color of the, the cover is Strawberry Biscuit. Yeah. Um, and I was like, okay, like I, I've been embracing pink lately. Um, I like pink. Um, but it actually looks so much better in, in person. Um, it's not as jarring. So I ordered that and I tried to sell my weeks, didn't get any bites, but I'm actually going to be using that as more like a finance tracker because one of the things in the new year is to control my spending. And so I want to track outside of my normal bills and like, you know, gas money and grocery money. I want to really kind of track like where I'm putting my money because I'm sure we all can relate listeners included. It's like, where did all that money go? And then it just adds up into these little things like, Oh, I spent, you know, $20 over here and I spent, you know, like 50 bucks ordering this stationery. And so like, I really want to be more mindful about what I'm doing. Cause, mm. cause my goal is to start saving more. Um, so yeah, so I'm going to use the weeks as kind of like a financial type planner. Cool. Um, and then the the larger one for like my everyday kind of stuff. Um, but because of that, I went down two giant rabbit holes. One, a sticker rabbit hole, <laughs> which was birthed out of a YouTube hole. And so I really like – it's you know how people watch videos of like people doing things like 
relaxing. Like this sounds bizarre, but try it. Um, like I, I've watched people cutting up bars of soap. Yes. Yes. Um, or sand, like yeah, kinetic, kinetic sand. sand. Yeah. It, it really helps with anxiety. And so I also enjoy watching people set up their planner. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of got onto that track and like, of course they're using stickers. And, and one of the things that really has, I've noticed and it's kind of, it's a point of frustration for me because it's usually the opposite in, in the case of, of what I'm going to talk about is all of these things are catered to super femme kind of people. Yeah. And so like, it's so hard to find functional planner stickers that are not mm-hmm. super femme. Um, and so, yeah, like it's just, it it's one of those things like I wish there were more like gender neutral or more masculine type designs. And there are some, but you really got to weed through the, you know, the, the flowers and the, not that say flowers are only femme, but you know what I mean? Like they're presented in a femme kind of orientation. Yeah. yeah. Um, And so, yeah, so I've been watching a lot of videos, but I, I found this really adorable website called paper and milk. They sell the most, amazing little planner stickers and i actually got them in the mail yesterday they're like super good quality they're not very expensive per sheet they're like three dollars for a sheet of stickers Hmm. um and they're just they're really cool and fun it's a company based out of um san francisco and you know it came in a really cool you would know what kind of paper this is but it's like a it's an envelope that's like you can see through the paper glassine yeah, it feels like rice paper. Yep, glassy. Um, and like they personalized the envelope and put my name on it, and like it just it was really cool touch. Um, and so I want to like talk about them and promote them because it is a two person operation and it's adorable. Cool. Um, what else? I got some new highlighters ah. when I was on Jet Pens buying the Teco. Of course, Jet Pens always like it seems like they like read my mind and they will advertise things to me that they know I'm gonna buy. <laughs> and so like I'll I'll add something to my cart and then it's like, how about this? Um Kokoyo Mark Plus two-tone color markers. So it's a highlighter with one pen, but two tips. One is like a more vibrant shade of the color, and one is a pastel. And so you, depending on how you hold it. Yeah. I, I've tried this before. Um, Tombow makes a highlighter called the beetle. It's a strange name, Mm -hmm. but, Mm -hmm. but it never worked for me because the way I would hold it, it would always transfer both colors and it just was too fiddly. Mm -hmm. But these are designed to where you can actually hold it and, not even come close to touching the paper with the other highlighter or rotate it or what's really cool is you can hold it straight up and down Mm -hmm. and actually underline and overline something in two different colors to kind of, instead of highlighting through the word. Um, so yeah, I, I like, yeah, they're very cool. And they, I got that vibe that I, so get when I see high. I have so many highlighters, it's obnoxious. <laughs> so you do like yeah. your highlighters. I do. Um and then I've also been organizing a reading list for next year. One of my goals is to read more because 
I I did a an office purge and I donated a lot of books and I realized that I have so many books that I'll buy and I don't read. Yeah. And so I want to give myself a good mix of stuff that is relevant to my education, like more clinical kind mm-hmm. of psychology based, but then I also want to read some quote unquote fun reading. Not that that stuff's not fun, but you know what I mean. Yeah, it's not fun. Let's not pretend clinical reading is fun. Right. Um <laughs> So it's interesting. It's not fun. Right. So I've been organizing reading lists for next year to like, you know, I've been looking for books by smaller authors, um, books that are written by queer authors, um, BIPOC folks, just, you know, smaller things that are often overlooked um, because they're not what the mainstream always seeks. And so I've been really kind of trying to do that. Um, and then finally, I'm excited about these comfy heated slippers that my wife bought me for Christmas. Uh, I spend a lot of time sitting at my desk mm. due to the work that I do. And then also just my hobbies are like video games. And so my feet would always get cold and these slippers are perfect. Mm. It's funny though, because they're not meant to be walked on because they're heated. So they're oh. attached. Yeah. Because the, the heating element is in the bottom. And so if you step on it, you'll probably break it. Hmm. So they're actually one, one slipper with two holes. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. So I, I know what you, yeah, I've seen yeah. those before. It's almost like I'm like a mermaid. Like I can't spread my feet apart, <laughs> but they're, they're, they're really comfy and it's one of the best gifts I've gotten in a very long time. So Aww. yes, I'm, I'm completely happy. You know, as you get older, Christmas is not, it's just, you know, as adults, like if you want something, you just buy it. Yeah. You know, and so I prefer these thoughtful kind of gifts. Yeah. So, but Les, what about you? Well, going off your uh, really nice Christmas gift, um, my partner also bought me a really thoughtful Christmas gift. I have been researching uh, gooseneck kettles. Uh, so I saw, so there's a company called Fellow that makes really, really gorgeous gooseneck kettles and they're, you know, matte black and they have a really cool handle and they're super expensive. So out of my price range. And I was doing some research on a variety of kettles and Chris found one that is very similar to the fellow, but significantly less expensive. Um, but it has a temperature dial on it. Um, so you can calibrate it to the degree and it beeps and lets you know when it hits that degree, and then it'll hold it at that temperature. Oh, nice! Uh, for up to an hour. So, because we are a uh, multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-race household, um, we are also not just a coffee household, but a tea household. Um, and temperature control for coffee is important, but it's even more so. Uh, with, with a variety of teas. So, and we drink a lot of tea. If anything, we drink more tea in our house than we drink coffee. Although we started getting into decaf coffee, which I talked about their last episode. Um, so this is going to be super nice for some of our green teas that require, you know, like 190 degrees or 175 degrees instead of a full rolling boil because mm-hmm. it really does impact the flavor of your tea. So I am very excited about that and it's super cute. Um, and it's all matte black and can be wiped clean and just like it has a really cute little, uh, LED display. So I'm very excited about that. Um, 
What else? Uh, so I just finished Useful Journaling 3. I, I'm starting to work on a special issue, um, which is coming up from some personal journaling that I'm going to do um, or have been doing. Uh, I'm working on issue four as well. So issue three should be up probably the middle of next week so people can start buying it for the new year. Um, and then the special issue, I think I'm going to delay that a couple of months because I really want to like hammer down the details and get it, get it squared away. Um, so I'm kind of excited about those. I mean, useful journal. I think I'm going to try and have useful journaling come out once a month. I was pushing myself to do two issues a month, but it's just not feasible for me. Yeah. Um, so one issue a month, uh, for the, for the upcoming future and then special issues on specific topics, I think. Uh, the other thing that I've been working on is, and it kind of, kind of feeds into our main topic. Uh, so I'm just going to gloss over it. I am testing some writing, some, how do I, how do I say this? Um, browser based cloud saving writing apps, I think is the best way to put it. Or I suppose I could call it software, but it's more app based type writing tools. So I kind of looked at Scrivener and didn't want to spend that amount of money, even though I won nano and I'm looking at a whole variety of different writing apps and I'm going to write some blog posts about it. So some reviews on those things. And um, they're really interesting and in how they do things, uh, which is a lot different than how I've been writing in the past. I just did a blog post about writing in Google Docs for both fiction and blog posts uh, and how I organize kind of my research and my outlines and things like that. We're going to get into that in the main topic. I also ordered... Um, some inexpensive pens from China to, mm -hmm. to review again, because I'm, you know, I've been enjoying fountain pens again. I go through these waves with fountain pens where I really want to use them all of the time. And then there are moments where I'm like, yeah, I don't, I just give me a pencil enough, yeah. enough with the fun colors. Just give me black graphite or gray, silvery gray graphite. Uh, and I'm happy. Um, and then there are times where I'm like, I just really want to write in orange. Right. Or a teal. Give me some teal today. Um, but that's, oh, consuming. The other things that I've been, I've been consuming TV. So I use TV. I think I've, we've talked about this before. TV absolutely shuts my brain off. Mm -hmm. I have no, when I watch TV, I don't have thoughts outside of what's on TV. It absolutely consumes my mind and shuts it down. And it's really bad for my creativity. Um, so I have to be careful with TV, but I just binged the wilds on Amazon prime, uh, mainly because some of my friends on Twitter were like, Hey, there's a lesbian. And I'm like, well, I suppose if there's a lesbian, I should watch it because support <laughs> my people. Um, and it was, it was interesting. It's sort of like if lost was a questionable psychological experiment. Okay. So it, it's, and it's not, it's not a good look for psychology. So, but it's also made absolutely, and I'm not giving away any spoilers here because this is all very clear in the first episode, um, that the person running the experiment is shady as hell. So you are very aware of that from, from the start that this person is very, very shady. Mm -hmm. Um, so it, yeah, it's, that's kind of interesting. And I've also, um, so we have the Xfinity Flex. So we have the Xfinity Flex and it includes, uh, Peacock. Yes, we have that um, too. Yeah. So 
So we, <laughs> it has murder she wrote on it. Oh my god. So I've been like just after nice. work sitting down with some murder she wrote and just chilling out to Angela Lansbury's Solving Murders. And it's bad. <laughs> it's so <laughs> bad. Oh my god. So um so the other thing is like the IMDB listing of the episodes doesn't line up with how NBC is putting it out online. So the second, I think it was the second, no, it was the third episode is about her niece is getting engaged or has been engaged um, to this guy that she met in New York. And it was, you know, real great. Um, but she doesn't know what he's doing for work. Um, so it turns out they live in San Francisco now. And for work, he is a uh, singer who is dressing as a woman. Oh. And so he's working in this club where all of the entertainers are cross-dressing. And they go to great pains. Great pains. They waste so much of the episode making sure that you know that they're straight. These are not gay men. These are very straight, heterosexual men who like women a lot. Oh. Who are dressing as women and performing? Yeah, so <laughs> that's that's was, a thing. It was a thing. It was a whole thing. I'm like watching it. I'm like, oh, oh they're going there. Oh. <laughs> okay, so yeah, that was that was a trip back to 1984. Um, right. So, and then they like the the it's just cheesy. After that, there's much less sort of veiled homophobia um, and just like. There's some white savior stuff going on there too. It's mm. it's really interesting to kind of watch these TV shows with that kind of like thought process of like, okay, I'm watching this antiquated thing that was really well liked in its time, and I'm seeing now where it's problematic and where it actually did things pretty well. Um, right, and like you bring, <laughs> it's so true because we have this lens that we never had before, you know, mm. growing up. Um, like on Christmas night, Gina wanted to watch this really old Laurel and Hardy, like Christmas show. I think oh, it's dear. like, I forget what it's called, but like something about Toyland. It is so bad. Like, I can't believe children watched it. Like there's, I, there's things I can't talk about because it's that offensive. Oh. Um, and like, you know, you think about it, you think about the things like from the eighties that we've watched, like murder, she wrote. I mean, I watched that with my grandma all the time. Yeah. Um, and it, we're getting on kind of a different topic, but we're tangential here, so it doesn't matter. Um, it's stuff like this that kind of seeps into the subconscious of young people and people in general that you don't know what's happening. And so it creates this whole thing, this big thing. Um, and I think about media today and how mm. it's doing that in what ways. Like yeah. um, <clears throat> right now I've seen it a lot. I'm I'm happy but also frustrated um that there are many more trans people mm-hmm. that are actually being played by trans people which yeah. is amazing but on um a lot of the doctor shows that Gina watches like Chicago Med and all these other ones um they're still pigeonholed and they're still troped yep you know and so like yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to watch. I didn't know Murder She Wrote was on Peacock. Yeah, I will it. have to. I will have to. Another one I've wanted to watch is Columbo. All oh, episodes yeah, yeah, of yeah. Columbo. Yeah. So, um, so God, where was I going to go with this? So we never watched Murder She Wrote. 
Hmm. Um, because it's supposed to take place in Maine. Okay. So it was, there's this one scene that was supposed to take place in Maine, but it's cl- very clearly shot <laughs> on the Pacific. Okay. Um, and then there are a couple of scenes where it's like trying to like show like, ah, I'm in the hills of Maine and, you know, there are pine trees and stuff, but they're the wrong type of pines. Like they're pines that don't actually occur in Maine. Uh, uh, so it's just like the other thing is also so like I remember talking about Murder, She Wrote with my parents and my parents were always like, they don't they don't it's just not Maine. It doesn't sound like it's from Maine. None of those people actually sound like Maine. And then there have been a couple of episodes where people will try to do a Maine accent. It's like, oh, no, <laughs> no, don't do that. That ooh, that was the worst Maine accent I have ever heard. Um, is, is, so it's, uh, but, but that's why we never watched it growing up was because it was just not Maine. Right. So my, my parents were very judgmental about murder. She wrote. So that, that's why I chose to watch it. I was like, so it's a, you know, well-respected show it was supposed to be in Maine. And then I started watching it. I was like, Oh, Maine, that is not Maine. <laughs> not even a little. <laughs> so anyway, uh, the, and that's pretty much in what I've been consuming. Um, but thinking about your your reading list, um, I don't. Well, I go on research tangents for reading. Um, so, like, I've been doing a lot of reading around useful journaling. So, I've been thinking about art journaling and things like that, and also journaling that uses prompts because I don't often use prompts. And it's come up like, uh, wow, some of the journaling books out there are really terrible. Um, I can imagine. So I've, you know, and I, I blow through them relatively quickly cause they're not, they're not well written. And there've been a few that were, I think with the help of a better editor would have been amazing books, but some of them are just trash. So, but anyway, that, that tends to feed my reading habit a lot is like when I go down these research tangents, it's like, I probably read three or four different books about, um, the commonplace journals. So it's just like that kind of stuff just block bulks up my reading list. Um, but I use, I use Goodreads and Mm -hmm. my, my Kindle to kind of track it. I would like to get away from Goodreads, but I noticed that my Kindle now tracks how many books that I read in a year. Oh, um, and it didn't match up with Goodreads. And there was a point where my Kindle wasn't reporting to Goodreads properly. So that was a thing. So I'm like, my Goodreads is like 10 books off. But anyway, I I digress. Um, It's, are you ready for the main topic? I am so ready. Excellent. So I have been thinking as I do, and actually this segue about my reading rabbit holes is a good segue into this because I want to talk about staying organized while writing and not just in terms of research um, for nonfiction, but also for fiction. Um, I'm thinking in terms of like, like writing your thesis. And when I wrote my thesis, um, writing our blog posts, um, writing like in terms of fiction, uh, how, how do you stay? I want to know first, how do you stay organized? Well, I only do two kinds of writing. Um, I don't write fiction. I've tried and it just, uh, it's not a thing for me. But for my thesis slash school academic writing, um, there's a whole way that I, I have a whole process in, in being organized. And 
for me, I think it's more of like a, I'm a very visual person. And so I use a lot of colors, a lot of outlining. And so Mm. oftentimes, I don't know about you, Les, when you were in school, but like, if I have like a paper due, I'm I'm constantly thinking about it. It's kind of hard not to think about like a big paper that's due. So even when you're not working on it, you're thinking. Yeah. So during the school year, I tend to carry like a pocket notebook or some kind of piece of paper and a writing utensil. Um, and I will write down my thoughts um, for two reasons. One, to get them on paper because I very quickly forget them. But two, disengage my brain from obsessing about my paper. Because once it's on a piece of paper, I can say, you know what, I'll get to it later and, and move on. But what I do is then I take all these these organized pieces of paper and I kind of use them as writing chunks. And so, for example, if I um, am writing a paper about um, – I'll use my thesis because it's something I've written. I can't think of things I haven't written. <laughs> um, you know, when I was writing my – you know, basically my whole introduction, there's so many subcategories. So I would think like, oh, I have to add a section about – um, you know, this topic. And so that idea would come in my head, I'd write it down, and then use that as a way to motivate me to write next time, because then I'll say, Oh, so last time I wrote that I need to include this. So let me just work on this. Because I don't know about you less like, but when you have to write something that you know, is going to be kind of long, if you think about that end game, and how much you're going to have to write at the end, I get very overwhelmed by that. Yeah, it is very overwhelming. And so staying like this physical organization of having small papers or a notebook to kind of jot ideas down and outline, I'm able to chunk out my writing. Now with blog posts, it's very different because it's not academic. Um, but blog posts are tricky because you want to write enough to engage the reader mm. and make it readable and enjoyable. You want to write like a, you know, like you're reading an article in a magazine or a paper. You want to be informative. So you have to include stuff that's sometimes dry or sometimes Mm -hmm. technical. And then you have to kind of package it all up and give an opinion. So it's like several different ways of writing. There's fact, opinion, and then this fluff that I call it. Um, and so for that, when I, mainly I, on my blog, I've done reviews of things. And so if I were going to review these new highlighters that we just talked about earlier, um, which I may, um, I'm trying to move away from reviewing, but I, I like them so much. I do this exercise that really organizes my thoughts is I will take the item and just kind of have it in front of me and observe it, look at it, use it, and then kind of do like word association, like what comes to my mind when I'm holding this highlighter and then just get those words out on paper. And those give me sometimes talking points in my reviews. And so when I hold this, this highlighter in my hand now, you know, I think about functionality. I think about the aesthetic. I like the way it looks. I like the way it feels. It's not too long. It's not too short. The barrel of it's nice and thick. And so all these things become little points. Um, because then writing the review is not difficult because then you have to write around the points. It's almost like how I talk to students about writing because I'm a writing tutor. 
it's like breaking your writing down and breaking a paragraph down into five elements, you know, five separate things and just write those five things. And there you go. You're writing a paper. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of how I do it. And, you know, I haven't thought about this topic very deeply until you kind of brought it up. And it's, it's kind of got my mind going about my blog posts and, and how I conceptualize them and how I think about them, because I like to think that, my blog posts are very readable and enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like my style of writing, but I also wonder if there are ways to, sometimes I I do feel like I kind of, I need to get to the point sooner, but then again, I don't know. So anyhow, that just opened up new ideas and thoughts, but those are, those are two main ways I stay organized in two different ways in two different, you know, things, blog posts and more academic writing. But yeah. I'm curious about you, Les, because you do a lot more writing than I do in different things like yeah. fiction mainly. So I, I think I'll I'll talk a little bit about um the sort of the the, the nonfiction writing first. So sure. in terms of like the thesis, I you know, it was very like we had a very specific format we had to follow. So I used that as my framework and then built into that, that framework an outline that worked for me. Um, and so after that point, it became more about organizing my thoughts around the research um, and then the survey that I had sent out. So that was a very different kind of sort of synthesis of both the research in terms of the writing and, and, all of the um, various articles and already done research plus the research that I had done. So synthesizing that information together and drawing conclusions from it was a little different than sort of like in terms of like blog posts going into that nonfiction realm of that. Like I, I really thought about this really deeply from my last post about how do I actually use all of the tools. How do I use like my analog tools to organize my, my writing? How do I use my like Google docs to organize writing? Cause I've been using Google docs for, I, I was a pretty early adopter of Google docs. Um, and I used it specifically because I could also <clears throat> use it at work. I mean, my breaks, um, to work on blog posts and things like that. Um, could also, you know, open up and send, text messages to my email address about things that I was thinking about. But I was really thinking deeply about how I organize blog posts and and my other writing and the fact that, you know, I outline things pretty heavily, although my blog posts, I don't outline them nearly as much. Um, I kind of go through and I write down, okay, here are all of the things that I'm reviewing, or here are all of the things that I am planning on writing about for like the next month. And then I use those to create headings and kind of outlines there. And then I will literally, if I'm, if I am reviewing something, I hand write most of the review in whatever journal I'm using in that moment. So lately it's been, um, my Baron Fig work play three. Um, so that has all like handwritten like notes about everything that I am reviewing. Because, you know, most of the stuff that I'm reviewing is, you know, pencils or pens or art supplies or ink, things like that. Um, Although now and the other part uh, that I've really been thinking about how I use all of these things is because I am adding 
to what I'm reviewing. I'm reviewing some writing software. Um, And so I'm really thinking about, okay, how do I review this software? How do I organize those reviews and and the, the work that I'm doing and how this feels and what it looks like? And it's kind of troubling because most of my reviews are between 500 and 750 words. Sometimes they're a lot shorter. Um, but these app reviews, because I, I get nerdy and I think that's a reason people keep coming back to my blog is that my reviews are super in depth and super nerdy. Like one of the apps, like the, I'm already at 2000 words, not to mention the screenshots that I've already taken for it. So there's like, there's a lot of like that going on too, that I'm kind of like thinking about, okay, what is important about these apps? And one of the things that is coming out for me as I'm reviewing these apps is that they just offer really superior organization for writing, whether you're writing fiction or nonfiction, you're doing research or, or whatnot. Um, because they have it built in, like, so I, I don't know if you've ever used anything like Scrivener or any of these, you know, online writing tools. Um, but like, if you use Google Docs, right, like everything is just in one big document. Um, and if you need to move a chapter or you need to move a section, it's cut, paste, and plop it wherever it needs to be, right? Um, whereas with these writing online writing tools and, you know, things like Scrivener, you do an outline and each chapter is its own little document kind of, and you write within that chapter. And then if you want to move a chapter or a scene, you can just drag and drop it into a new spot. Um, which for me in terms of like, I've set it up. So for writing blog posts, I've also set it up for writing fiction. Um, and I know some people use Scrivener and, and similar, um, tools for writing things like their thesis, um, or other lengthy research. So, um, because you can just so easily move it, um, in terms of blog posts, like for the month of January, I wrote, you know, a, chapter for every single thing that I plan on reviewing or writing about for the month. And then, so, uh, there's a book that I'm planning on reviewing for the blog. Uh, it didn't arrive in time for me to finish it, uh, to finish reading it and review it. So I took that chapter and just dragged and dropped it into February which just makes it so much easier to organize things. Uh, it just kind of like blowing my mind in terms of how simple these things work and how seamlessly it works. Um, so I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes for the, the app that I've been reviewing and it's called novelpad.co. Um, the guy who is developing it and kind of spearheading it, his name is Christian and he's in New Hampshire, which is kind of, it's kind of nice to support, kind of someone who's local, quote unquote local. <laughs> um, and he's not actually really not far from me right now. So it's like, he kind of is local. Um, but it's, it's, it's a really interesting app to use, even though it's geared for fiction. Like it's really set up for writing fiction. Um, and it works great for that too. Um, like setting it up for nonfiction was pretty easy. Um, so I could see it being just as easy for writing a thesis as well. Um, but it also 
The other thing is in terms of research, um, organizing research, I, I like you, like I carry, you know, a little pocket notebook. And when I have ideas about what I'm, um, writing about, I'll just plop them in a pocket notebook and then refer to it when I'm, when I'm writing the actual review or I'm writing the fiction. Cause sometimes I get ideas for stories. Um, and I'll just put that into a pocket notebook so that I'm not thinking about it continually. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I'll also send a text message to my email. Oh. Um, which is something I discovered when I was, um, working in an office. Cause no one, no one really questions if you're sending a text message to yourself, um, or if you're sending a text message, people will just kind of wait until you're done. Um, right. and so I would be at lunch and I'd be, you know, writing a scene into a text message and just send it to my email. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would be able to cut and paste it into the novel when I got home. I mean, it's not without issues because, you know, depending on your phone, it can crop it or make it hard. Sure. But that functions very much like a pocket notebook for me. Sometimes. Um, but what about, what do you do for research? How do you organize your research? I mean, I don't anymore because I'm not, I don't, I mean... Any research that I do now for what I'm doing is not extensive enough to need to be organized, if that mm. makes sense. Yeah. But when I was doing like really deep, extensive research, um, I had a really, really particular system uh, for, you know, I, I forget how many sources I wound up using for my thesis, but my references pages were, I think it was like seven pages double spaced. Yeah. That's for not references. Unusual. Right. And so, And it was hard because I'm not going to get into what I studied, but I studied a lot of different things in one main study. You know, I studied anxiety and self-esteem and religiosity and perceived discrimination. And so I had to, of course, research all that stuff. And so I came up, surprise, with a color-coded system, um, both physical and digital. So I still have the binder because I don't think I'll ever throw it away because – it consumes so much of my life. I just can't. Um, I had colored tabs dividing each topic. <laughs> and then within those colored dividers, I had each article tabbed with the author's last name and then the year. Um, Cause that's significant in APA. And for digital, I had a Google drive set up. And then within that Google Drive, I had separate subfolders for each topic. And then each file name, it was named in a very uniform way. Like most articles had several authors, but I just took the main author and then underscore and then the year. Mm. And so it alphabetized it well, it organized it well. And, you know, nothing is worse than downloading a file that is a bunch of gibberish.pdf. True. True. Um, because then you lose it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's really when I was doing research, what I would do is just make a point to go through and label my files. And actually, one thing I did, this came in handy when I was doing research on, um, religiosity because it was complicated because I had to 
I was trying to find studies only in America because that's where my study was. Mm -hmm. But I studied um, the Muslim American population, but most studies on religiosity were Christian based. Mm. And so I had to pick apart all these studies. And so sometimes I would lose track of did I research this article or not? And so at that point, what I would do is I would slightly change the file name to put like a letter before the last name to show that like I already, I already completed using that article. Yeah. And that really kind of helped me as well. So a lot of visual cues, a lot of, um, you know, compartmentalizing things and, and put, putting things organized. And after a while, you know, when you do research, you can, like, I know, um, you know, certain last names of people and what research they're associated with. That's just how it goes, especially in a field like psychology. Um, so yeah, that's really kind of like how I organize my research because it can get away from you really quickly. And then it just becomes so mentally overwhelming that you kind of just don't want to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you know that Google docs now does a, has a citation tool built in? I did not. Yeah, it actually works pretty well, and it'll also auto-format a bibliography for you. That is good to know, because I, I work with college students on their writing, and I always gave them the pro tip of going to Google Scholar and hitting the quotation mark, and then that brings up all the different ways to cite the article that they're using, yep. and then just copy-paste and then double-check. But it's that's really good to know. Yeah, it'll do MLA, APA, in Chicago. Sweet. So yeah, it's just it's under tools and citations, and it'll. You, I mean, we could we could add citations to our show notes. That is really cool. <laughs> um, I, I actually use it for useful journaling. As I, uh, so in terms of research, my the majority of my research now has to do with useful journaling. Um, so I create a bibliography for every issue. Uh, the whole bibliography goes onto the useful journaling website and then only, so some of the stuff is stuff I actually cite within the writing. Some of the stuff is just things that I read, right? And so it's also a reading list, um, not necessarily an entire citation list. Um, so not necessarily a true bibliography per se, but it, it's kind of feeds into the writing. So I like to offer it, even though I'm not citing some of the stuff in there. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I use that to keep track of everything that I'm reading. Um, and then I plug that, uh, into uh, the document at the end and I cut and paste it into the, into the useful journaling website and make it available for people. Um, and it does pretty well to keep track of websites and things, which is the thing that I always have trouble keeping track of when I am doing research for anything is like, here's a website that I uh, watched as I was trying to figure out where my research was going to go. And mm. I think that's useful kind of thing to share with people who are, who are reading and also learning. Yeah, no, that's really awesome. And while you were talking, I was thinking about how impressed I was when I got your, zines and you know obviously like it's important to to cite work but i i i was really like happy to see how much you credited your sources because it's always kind of this point of contention with me sometimes where like 
it's not intentional at all. And if it is, you're a jerk. But people write about stuff, but they're not providing you where they got that from. For And that frustrates me for two reasons. One, because it's plagiarism. But two, <laughs> sometimes I, I want to read more, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I really appreciate you doing that all the time. Um, well, I because- had a situation, God, it was probably 10, 10 years ago where a well-known author um, in a, mm, I don't want to go there. Um, a well-known <laughs> author read one of my blog posts and used it as um, a fodder uh, mm. for her own, not blog post, but a paid article she wrote. And if you looked at the article, she basically took my blog post and kind of rehashed what I had already written and added to it with her own thoughts and her own research and information. Um, and it was very clear that she had read the post um, because I had some pretty significant tracking and she was from a small town and I could actually see that her small town popped up mm. as someone who had read the article. Um, and I called her on it and she denied it. Um, but I mean, the thing is, is like, to me, if my article had gotten or my blog post had, had gotten her writing, then just give me credit. Say, you know, I was, I, I read this, this blog post by Leslie and I found it really interesting. And here are the thoughts that came from it. And I think that's one of the things that used to occur really often in the blogging community, right? Is like, you know, your blog post would get me thinking and I would credit you and say, Hey, I was reading Johnny's post over here on, on uh, pencil revolution. And it really made me think about things like, you know, these pencil things and um, so on and so forth. But you know, like that's the kind of thing that I think used to happen a lot. But anyway, I always want to make sure I give credit where credit's due when I am writing anything um, because I don't want to plagiarize. I don't want, and I always want to make sure that any, Anyone who reads my stuff has additional reading because the whole point of useful journaling, um, and I'm going off on a tangent here, is to get people journaling more, using a journal as a useful tool and journaling more. And if mm-hmm. useful journaling gets them reading more about journaling, then good. That's what it's there for. Um, but also, you know, I do a lot of research. I mean, yeah, you know, these the zines are not super long, but I do a lot of research to kind of back up my thoughts and back up the information that I am sharing with people. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, that that's my tangent about useful journaling. Um, but in terms of organizing research for that, I do a lot of taking notes in my journal as I'm reading. Um, and I always make sure that I label the author and the book that it comes from. And sometimes I'm hate reading. Like I, I read a whole bunch of stoic, modern stoic stuff, which I, I'm not <laughs> going to go into again because it was a lot last time. Um, and, you know, I'm taking notes on these things as I'm reading them and then I'm hate posting on Twitter about it. Um, <laughs> so, um, it, you know, I, I do that when I'm reading anything like, you know, this is a good book. I think I should share it on useful journaling or, you know, what I might post about this on, on the RSVP site, because I think it'll be, it's, talks about stationery and I think people who are who are in that group might enjoy this book or this article because you know, that comes up a lot. Um, so in terms of keeping track of it, I make sure in my analog tools that I make sure that the author's name and then the book that it's coming from is written down, um, sometimes with a page number 
if I'm actually reading something physical. It's always a page number, but I don't always get that with my Kindle. So, um, you know, it, sometimes it's like at this percentage or, um, I actually use my Kindle's highlight function a lot. Um, because when I, so if you highlight things in a Kindle, you can then go to, I think it's a notes. I can't remember the exact page, but like all of your notes stay organized by book and all of your highlights are also organized. You can go to a website and find all of those and then you can cut and paste that quote out of it. Oh, um, So it's really, really useful in that sense of when I'm doing research and it's very organized. I also regularly go through because I accidentally highlight stuff and they don't make it easy to delete a highlight on the actual Kindle. So you have to go to that page and delete things out. So like I have all of these romance novels that have these random <laughs> highlights in it um, because I, I accidentally touch a word and then that highlights. Uh, but that's annoying. But it's a good way, I think, to kind of organize some of that research is just that highlight, make a note. Because I, when I was reading that stoic journal or a stoic book um, and the guy was like mentioning Jackie Robinson, I highlighted the quote and went, whoa, dude, you went there. Um, <laughs> but I like I use that a lot. Um, but it, for me, it's very much a mix of technology and analog. Like I'm, you know, like I said, I, I'll send myself a, a, a text message to my email or I'll shoot myself an email. Um, I'll write down a note in my pocket notebook. I'll pull out my journal and I'll write something in the journal. Um, you know, sometimes it's a series of post-it notes. Um, but I, like when I was doing my thesis, like you, I had like a binder of all of my research. In the end, I ended up having an entire paper box printed, um, and f almost full of all of the research that I had done for my thesis and all of my papers, um, for grad school. I should shred those now. Yeah, like a symbolic kind of a thing. A symbolic bonfire out in the backyard. Uh, I'm sure the neighbors would love that. Um, uh. <laughs> um, but uh, what do you think? Did anything else come up for you? Because I think, you know, we're hitting a little, little over an hour. Um, Not really. I mean, I think you you do much more in this realm than I do. Um. But, I mean, for the most part, I mean, I think, I think we covered it. Yeah. Nothing is coming to mind. I, I think, um, I think that the more I look at some of these writing apps, because you know, initially I was I was talking to um, Lisa, um, who is one of our listeners, about it, and as you know, initially I was like, you know, I've been working in Google Docs for like fifteen years now. Why change it? And <laughs> she was kind of like, well, you might actually like some of what these apps do. You should, you should just test them out. You should at least try the, try the downloads, uh, the free, the freebie on it. Um, and, and she's right. You know, like the, the ability to just take, you know, your blog post and move it from, you know, where you initially had it till the end of the month or into the next month just by grabbing and dropping it really makes things easy. Um, and it would be the same with like nonfiction, 
you know, or other nonfiction, like if you were writing another thesis, like grabbing that information that you wrote about some article and realizing that it doesn't really belong in that first part, and maybe it belongs in the third part of your thesis, and just dragging and dropping it there. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just so smooth versus cutting and pasting in Google Docs. So, yeah. Um, but I think I'm going to have more thoughts on it as I test out more of these apps. I've got a couple of apps going, and NovelPad is just the first one that I've been testing out. Um, and it's it's super smooth, too. So, um, yeah. So, I think that's it. All right. So, um, I do want to take a moment to thank everyone in RSVP, um, the people going to the website, leaving comments, people in the Facebook group for being just really amazing. Um, we started doing the Saturday buy, sell, trade post. So that goes up every Saturday <clears throat> and I'm trying to schedule it. So I don't, I don't forget, uh, cause I forgot this week and had it up late in the afternoon instead of like three in the morning, like I usually do. And that's been going pretty well, I think. Um, and so it's just, it's really nice to have people in the group having intelligent conversation, being really kind and supportive to not just us, but everyone, um, just talking about stationary and, you know, you know, weird everyday carry things like, uh, button pushers and door pullers, um, uh, which isn't, that's not really weird. I mean, it's COVID time, so it's not weird. Um, but it's just like, you know, we have conversations about these things and about the various and assorted tools that we're all using. Um, and less complaints about things like ferals falling off. Um, <laughs> uh, so it's just, you know, I just want to thank everyone who supports us people who have joined the Facebook group, people who continue to interact on on that group. And, you know, we've gotten so many people saying that our group is the reason they're still on Facebook and that's the only thing they do on Facebook. So to me, that's just really amazing feedback and I love it. Um, so if, if you love this show as much as some of our people do or as much as I do, uh, share a link to your favorite episode on your social media, whether that's Twitter or Instagram or even Facebook. Um, and maybe that's not your favorite anymore, but share a link. Let people know that you love us and why you love us and why that episode's your favorite. Um, so you can find the podcast at rsvpstationarypodcast.com. We have a Discord channel. You can find me, Les, at comfortableshoesstudio.com, Facebook at Comfortable Shoes Studio. Instagram and Twitter at original LC Harper. My Twitter is locked down currently. Um, but if you hit follow or friend or whatever the heck it is on Twitter, um, give me a little while and I'll approve you. Dade, where can people find you? You can find me at weeklypencil.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the weekly pencil. All right. Awesome. Thank you. All right. I'm going to.